I've been struggling with or something that's been on my mind, but uh, this is an old lesson of mine that I've drug out of the archives and I've kind of went over it and kind of went back over it and revamped it a little bit. And, and it's called The Devil's Bulldozer. And, uh, and as we think about uh, Satan, you know, I never really thought that he had a bulldozer. And I bet none of you did here either realize that that devil or Satan has a bulldozer. And well, he doesn't really have a bulldozer as you see here in this picture pushing over this tree. Uh, but we're going to use the analogy of a bulldozer and you know imagine Satan on this bulldozer in our spiritual life. And uh, hopefully, you know, this lesson is not a a very complicated lesson. I hope it's not. I hope I don't complicate it by trying to oversimplify it because it's very simple basics that we should all understand, but something to bring to our memory of some things about Satan and the things that we face in our life. Just realizing about Satan, uh, about how destructive he can be with, with his bulldozer, so to speak. Uh, you know, you look at this bulldozer up here and you see him pushing over that big old tree. Uh, even though that tree is dead, I'm sure that was a task to push that big old thing over and you know, as he continues on down the hill, he continued to push trees over and dig the ground up and push that rocks and no telling what else. Uh, many of us have been around a bulldozer, have seen one. Uh, me personally, that's one of the things I really like, uh, big equipment and being around stuff like that. But uh, back in October of last year, my cousin, uh, Kenneth Watkins, came up there and he, he'd done some dozing for me. He pushed in an old pond and filled it in and pushed up a big old pile of brush and that's all that's left there right now is a big old pile of dead brush and he's made that pond into a pasture and he's done quite a bit of work to that land and changed the lay of the land and removed a bunch of trees you know and now it's it's just pasture and a bunch of those dead dead trees but as we think about satan and think about his the destruct, destruction he can Havoc on our spiritual lives as we compare him to this bulldozer. And hopefully, we're not, we don't look like that dead tree there being pushed over in our spiritual life. I hope it takes a little bit more effort uh, for Satan to push us over. Uh, and hopefully, through this study, we'll be more aware of Satan, be more aware of his tactics, because there's tactics involved in, in running a dozer. Um, you know, these newer dozers have the joysticks uh, on both sides. The old ones had a bunch of levers you pull and shove, and you have to use your feet and everything. So it, it takes a little bit of thinking on how to, to run a dozer. And, and on Satan's part, we'll have to give him benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing. Uh, he, he, he knows his tactics, he knows his tricks, and he's going to use them on us in every way that he can. So first I want to talk about uh, being rooted in Christ. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be a like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It delights God in the fact that we are planted in Him, we are rooted in Him, and in this comparison we are a tree planted by the rivers of water. But the fact remains that you and I are still a tree planted. We're, we're a tree planted, 
and we are to be planted, rooted in Christ. But that doesn't get us out of being pushed on by that bulldozer, being pushed on by Satan. He's still going to push on us to see how strong we are, how weak we are. Um, maybe we're a little dead in our Christian walk. Might be a little bit easier for him to push us over. Maybe we're grounded and rooted in Christ, but we still have to guard ourselves against Satan. You know, as we, as a bulldozer pushes on a new tree, a good tree, solid tree, if that dozer keeps pushing on, and that dozer can over eventually overcome that tree because the roots will start giving away, it'll start popping and cracking, and that tree will fall. So we've got to be very careful, but realize that we're still that tree that's planted, and we take guard against, against Satan. So we're going to look at Satan's purpose as we think about him and his bulldozer. Is it just he's, is he just having fun on that dozer? Is he, well, he probably is, but the point I want to try to make is that he is trying to uproot us. From Christ, and take that analogy of that bulldozer and say, and we try to uproot those trees. Satan is trying to uproot us from Christ because he knows that we're trying to be rooted in Christ, and he doesn't. He doesn't like that at all. He doesn't want us to be rooted in Christ. First Peter chapter five verse eight says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour." So there's two different things I want to pay attention here. We we read this verse quite often. But I want us to pay attention to that Satan is your adversary. He is your enemy. He is your opponent. That he may devour you or he may swallow you up and it's also defined as being drowned. And so Satan doesn't want you to do good in your life he, even though it seems that way through the things he throws out there for you. He doesn't want you to survive. He wants to rip you up. He wants to push you down. He wants to pile you up. In a brush pile, so to speak, somewhere that you could be burned later. And that's Satan. But many times as he throws those tricks out there and those devices, it doesn't look that bad on the, on the front of that. In John 8, verse 44, it says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father he, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So Satan, as these people here were being corrected by Christ, these people were reminded about exactly who Satan was and what he was like. It says Satan is a murderer, and he is a liar. And this, was hap this has happened since the beginning of time. With We remember back to Adam and Eve uh, when he lied to her, and that led to their death because of the, their disobedience. So Satan's purpose, his goals, the things that drive Satan is to make you fall from being rooted in Christ. He wants to uproot you. So as we think about Satan and, and you know, if we was to go and stand out in front of a bull, somebody bulldozing with a shovel and say, you're not going to pass any further, they just come right over us and keep on going. So as we think about Satan and his bulldozer, is it logical for us to think that we can go out there, stand in front of Satan and say, you, you cannot pass. You don't, I'm not going to let you overcome my life. Is that really possible? Can we succeed? And the short answer, and hopefully by the end of this lesson we'll see, but the short answer is yes, we can. But it's not going to be because of what we can do. It's not be because of our shovel. It's going to be by something that God will provide us with. 
Because we're told uh, through the word that we are to resist Satan. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I think these will go hand in hand, that we must first submit ourselves to, to God. Then he says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why is he fleeing? Because you have somebody on your side that he's afraid of. And that's God. He will resi- we will resist the devil because we have God as our backup. And we will let God determine what tools we use and, and what uh, things we use to, to resist Satan with. And that resist there means stand against or oppose. So we have that enemy. We have the idea of how destructive he can be in our life. In uh, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, it says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Paul uh, was encouraging people here that, you know, or telling people here that they they themselves was not ignorant of what Satan is capable of. We're not, we shouldn't be ignorant of Satan and the devices or tricks he uses. We know he's a trickster. We know he tries to deceive us. And we don't need to let that fall to the back of our minds and overlook that fact. You know, Paul being an apostle of Jesus Christ did not keep Satan from pushing on him with his bulldozer. Um, in fact, if we read about Paul's life, he faced a lot more things than, than I have faced in my life. And boy, sometimes I think I've got it pretty hard. Uh, with the with the struggles I have in my life, but nonetheless, Paul was a tree planted. You are a uh, tree planted, and Satan's going to try to to try to uproot you as well. Um. So we're going to look at some tactics that Satan uses to 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 get us to fall over, to fall in our life, and this is found in First John chapter two verse sixteen. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So there's three things here that I think all what we're faced with, tempted with in our life from Satan can be all be put in these three categories. It's, you know, we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And all these things is of the world, it's not of God. All these things is what Satan throws out there to help, to hopefully... Uh, uproot us in his in his mind hopefully uproot us from Christ Uh, so we're going to look at some of them or these this evening the lust of the flesh um, is basically the bodily desires that we might have our body might have our flesh might have to desire after certain things of the flesh Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So there's a, again, there's a battle, there's a war going on that we fight every day of our life. I've mentioned this before in other sermons, that and other people's talked about the war that the the spirit and the flesh fight. They're contrary one to another. They can't mix. And so we have this war going on. Our body, our flesh, desires the things of this world. And, we, and our body wants those things. And we, we desire bad things. And uh, turn to uh, Matthew 15, verse 19. It says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, 
despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Fleshly things that you and I desire may not look as evident as what's on this list here. And we look at this list, and, and or I do, and I look and I say, I really don't desire any of those things because I see in verse 32 where if we look, commit those things, we're going to die. We're worthy of death. But you know, it's those little, it's how Satan disguises these things in our life to, to make it look more appetizing. Um, you know how juicy it is sometimes and to talk about somebody at work? Uh, you know, when you come together with your friends at work and, boy, something's kind of going on in, in the workplace and somebody did something, boy, you just can't wait to get to work the next day to figure out what happened to that guy or talk about him. You know, that could be whispering. Um, talking bad about somebody and we really don't know it or, or don't realize it. Um, you know, we don't have to actually pull a gun out and shoot somebody to, to be a murderer. Uh, we can hate our brother be considered a murderer. Um, our friends can tell us, it's okay to, to not listen to your parents this time. It won't hurt this one time, but it says disobedient to parents, period, is wrong. Um, covenant breakers, have you ever broke a promise? Um, some of these things, you know, Satan doesn't come in there. You know, if somebody was to drive up in your backyard in a bulldozer, you'd probably recognize he was... He was there. You'd probably hear it coming. You hear the tracks clanging and banging around. But Satan, on his bulldozer, it may not be so evident that he's coming up the road, that he's going to be tempting you with certain things in your life. He's very tricky, and he will try to try to sneak up on you from the back. Uh, lust of the eyes. And that's anything that is sinful that the eye desires. You know, we, we see a bunch of things with our eyes uh, as we go from day to day. Um, there's a lot of temptation out there uh, that can cause our eyes to look at, that can cause our um, attention to be drawn to that, and eventually it could cause us to lust after those things. One of the things that we can lust after is another person. Uh, and, and here it talks about a man lusting after a woman, but it can be the same way as a woman lusting after a man. Uh, it says in Matthew 20, uh, 5, verse 28, it says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that, thou, that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. This is how serious God is with with sinning, sinning with our eyes, look, looking for things that we desire after, that our eyes desire. And in this case, it's desiring after a woman or after a man. We look upon those people and we desire to have them. And it says, if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. So if your eyes offend you, God says, if that's what's causing you to keep, to be out of heaven, to, to not have eternal life, pluck them out, pull them out. If that's something that's hindering you in your Christian walk, now, I'm not saying we should go around plucking out our eyes, but that's how serious God is 
about controlling our eyes and con- controlling our desires, uh, less of the eyes there. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, it says, And it came to pass in an even tide that David arose off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman and, and said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the, the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her and came in unto him, or and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned into her house. So here we have King David, uh, of course, looking upon Bathsheba, seeing that she was very beautiful. He had her come, being his king. He demanded that he, she would be coming unto him. He laid with her. She conceived a child. And we notice in verse 15, well, before this, actually, we noticed that this lady was married already to, to, to Uriah. And David knew this. And so, to keep things going his way, uh, he, in verse 15, he come up with a plan to, to have this Uriah uh, murdered. And this was on the battlefront. And this was a, a soldier in, in the army there. And in verse uh, 15, it says, He wrote in the letter, saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. So he said, I want you to take Uriah, and I'm going to write this letter, and he's going to be placed in the forefront. He's going to be uh, placed in the hottest of the battles, right up on the front. And it says, you may, that you retire from him. So they're going to draw, people are going to draw back, so he's just standing out there like a sore thumb. And it says that he may be smitten and die. So there was evil intent involved, and there was uh, all this sneaky things that he that David had come up with to figure out exactly how to get Uriah up there. And imagine all the things that took place for this guy to be sent up to the front lines and to be to be had like that. But David had figured all this out, all going back to his lust he had of his eyes for Bathsheba. And this is what conceived out of that sin was the sin of murdering Uriah there. And so... I've had many guys uh, through the different places I've worked, and I'm, maybe you have too, but have told me, uh, oh, it's okay to look at other things. It's okay to look at other women. It's just eye candy. And I've heard people say that, and that aggravates me. And it's stuff like this that keeps me reminded that, it, no, it's not just eye candy. It's sin. And it's something we must control because it can lead to other things that can eventually destroy us and others. And we've got to be very careful with that. But now, it doesn't have to be just lust after another person. It could be lusting after other things. Uh, our possessions, basically being covetousness, or having covetousness. Uh, Luke 12, verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in abundance of the things which he possesseth. So it, it could be things that we own, things we have, things that we don't have that we want, um, that we look at, out at and to lust after those things. Um, so this is one of the tactics that, that uh, Satan uses to get, it, to get us uprooted from Christ. And you know these things here, it does take our 
minds, and it shouldn't, but it does take our minds and stuff off of Christ sometimes. And it allows our roots to be plucked up a little bit at a time. And uh, the last thing I want to cover, one of the last tactics I want to cover is the pride of life or wanting to excel above. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So simply seeking the highest position, being having that pride causes us to fall and, and we will see destruction because of that. Wanting to be the best, wanting to be the, the highest is not is not good for for Christians to want to be that way. Psalms chapter ten, verse four says the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So pride causes us to turn our focus away from God. We don't want to have anything to do with God because of our pride, because seeking after God goes all the way back to first submitting to God. And people don't there's a lot of people that I've talked to and that when you talk about obedience to the gospel, submitting themselves to God, um, they really don't want no part of that. They're having too much fun in their life to submit to God. They don't. They're having so much success outside of God. Why would they want to be under God? Being a Christian is boring. Stuff like that. But in order to serve God fully, we must submit to Him. We can't be lifted up in pride above above our fellow man, and especially we can't lift our, try to lift ourselves up above God. Uh, that definitely will not work. Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit upon... I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So as we think about Satan and his fall, and, and what caused him to fall is because of his pride. And he thought he was the most beautiful thing, the most knowledgeable thing that ever had lived, had ever been uh, created. And he had tried to lift himself up above God and he wanted to be the most high and that's what caused his fall and that the very same one there is is the one that just loves us falling to to the pride that we have in our life we're being just like being just like Satan if we we're lifted up in pride pride is a is a bad thing and it's a very uh, it's a bad disease that's in the world today and we see that as we you know, if we look at the news very much, we see that it's a me—it's a me nation. It's all about me. I want to be first. Uh, but we as Christians need to guard ourselves against pride and to remain humble. And and I know, and I know, I'm for the most part speaking to to the choir here, so to speak. But you know, it's things that Satan may use a different tactic for Leland than he does for me when it comes to pride, or he may, you know, use a different tactic on lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes for different people than he does for me. It's not the same tactic he uses for everybody. And we need to guard against those things. So there's some things, some encouraging things I hope that will help us stay rooted in Christ. When Satan comes driving up on his bulldozer and starts pushing on you, 
remember these things that will help you stay rooted. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You know, faith is considered a shield here to protect us against those darts of Satan. Uh, sometimes in life, it does get hard as a Christian. We uh, are faced with some hard times sometimes. But if we're rooted in faith, it will cause us to stand and to remain standing. Back a, a couple months ago, they started a. There's always construction going on around the U of A. I mean, they're all the time building something. And so you're driving around cones as you're driving on campus, and you're driving around different things happening. But there was one thing I noticed. Uh, there's a spot where they're driving heavy equipment across the yard. And they, of course, pile up rocks and stuff. But around every tree, they would take these two-by-fours and they would put them together with some wire. And they would enclose that tree with those two-by-fours. So in case that heavy equipment operator lost control or something, didn't know what he was doing, hit that tree, it would hit those two-by-fours instead of the tree. And it wouldn't damage the tree. You know, as we think about faith, it actually puts those that protecting around us. And like those two-by-fours, it is a shield to us. So whenever Satan comes up there to start pushing on us with his bulldozer, we're going to have that protection from God. Is your faith that you have in God, in Christ, is it strong enough to go up against that raging bulldozer? And you think about that for a minute. Is it those two-befores that takes a little bit of get beaten on to get through those two-befores, or are we just putting a, a layer of uh, saran wrap around our trunk to hopefully help it, hope it does some good. In First uh, Timothy chapter one verse eighteen, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on, which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So he just got done telling Timothy about you know, some of his experiences that happened uh, between him and Christ, how Christ had shown him mercy. Uh, he didn't deserve it at all, but he, Christ shown him mercy, and he was teaching Timothy about Christ there, and he, and he tells him, he says, holding faith in that, in a good conscience, he says, but some have put away that faith have put away that faith in Christ, and it says they have made shipwreck. And there's two people mentioned here that, that have done that very thing by blaspheming against Christ and, and not uh, lifting Christ up as their Savior, I guess. It don't really say much more about these two, these two people, these two names. Um, but obviously they've done something very bad, and they blasphemed. They learned, it says He delivered unto, unto Satan that they, may not, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So... But we are to hold our faith and not put it away. Um, even when Satan's there just beating on us as hard as he can go, don't give that faith up. Don't put that faith away because it's, it is our shield. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Stay near to your, to your Father uh, in these battles that we face in our life, um, draw near to Him. Don't don't think that He's drawing His stuff away. That He 
If we stay near to Him, He'll stay near to us. Keep your faith. We need to study. We have Acts 17, verse 11. These were more, no, more noble than those in Thessalonica, and they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed also of honorable men, or honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few. So their readiness of mind and studying and wanting to know more about God and reading the Word of God caused me to believe. And it says not a few. There's a bunch of people that came to the faith, that came to the obedience of the Gospel because they're searching the Scriptures and figuring out what God wants them to do and figuring out what to use against Satan. You know, if the only way we can grow, the only way that we can uh, believe and keep that our faith and all those things is to do it God's way. And But if we put that faith away, we're not going to learn anything. We're going to be falling to Satan. We're going to be pushed over. We're going to be piled up in a brush pile somewhere. And we not only have to read the Scriptures to be ready to to read God's Word, but we have to apply those things. We have to be obedient to those things He tells us. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God uh, rather than men. Uh, man has a tendency to be swayed by the devil. Man is not strong like God, like Christ. So why obey the things that man tells us, man tells us to do? Let's just obey God. And that, really, I make that sound so simple. Um, it is simple to stand up here and say that. But to, to put it forth in our life, to, to go tomorrow to work or wherever we go tomorrow, and being faced with all the opposition that we have in this world, sometimes it's easier to obey men than God. But let's 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 try to get better about obeying God, and that's how we're going to keep rooted in Christ. So, as I mentioned at first, we are that tree planted, right? We're not a tree that, or we're not something that is hidden underground. We're not something that is out of line of sight of Satan. We're right there standing up tall, hopefully tall for God, rooted and grounded in Christ. So it's something that Satan is going to see, and he's going to try to tear us down. And, and in trying to tear us down, we're going to get wounded by by Satan. James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Nowhere in the scriptures that I see in the New Testament does it say that we as a Christian is going to have an easy life, that we're, that we're not going to be uh, persecuted and, and different things is not going to happen to us, because they are. They're going to happen. There's promise that those things will happen. We're going to have temptation. We're going to be tried. Are you strong enough to endure? Are we going to endure those things from Satan? Do we just throw up our hands and say, well, it's just too much for me to, to handle. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So why do we need to throw our hands up? It's not, it's not about me. It's about Christ, about God. He says you have victory through Jesus Christ. Submit your life to Christ. Submit your life to God. You will have victory through Christ. That's what he says here in the Scriptures. So no matter what you're facing in your life, no matter how hard that bulldozer just pounded against you, remember, you have that victory. You have something that Satan doesn't have. You have Christ. You have God. And it says, be steadfast. Don't be movable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, as, as Satan is there pounding on you, you know what? When me and Julia first started dating, there's a tree uh, in our back in mom and dad's backyard. And you do the, you know, I guess I watched Robin Hood, the cartoon Robin Hood too much where they carve their initials in the tree. You know, I, I guess that's romantic, I guess now, but you carve your initials in the tree. So years down the road, you'll be able to look at it later and rem- remember the love you had as, as you was dating. Well, now you go up to that tree and it's, it's not even there anymore. The tree, because of me carving into it, I wounded the tree, so the tree healed. And it covered it back over. You can't see that anymore. I still love Julia. But the, the, the scar there is gone. So remember, as Satan is there pounded against you, and he may wound you, he may scar you, he may you know, inflict the wound on you, but continue to grow, continue to abound, that your wounds will heal over and you'll keep on growing as, as that tree planted by the rivers of water. You have my thoughts this evening. If there's anyone here that needs the prayers of the church or... Uh, anything that you need this this evening, uh, I ask that you would let your request be made known tonight. And you know, it's a, it's a small group, and it's everybody knows each other. We all, but we all have struggles. Uh, we all have those temptations. Um, that bulldozer may have visited you last week, and you may have had a hard time uh, this last week, or maybe we don't know if he's going to bring it this week in our lives the temptations He might bring and the devices He may throw at us this week. But I just pray that all of you all be uh, mindful this week of Satan. And uh, uh, if you need help, just let us know as you come. Sit on the front while we stand, while we sing. No, do not let the world divide.